0: Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Corporate Drinker, a punk rock HR production. In each episode, Corporate Drinker explores the intricate ties between work culture and alcohol. Now there's no judgment here. The podcast tells stories of regular people like you and me, who may have complicated relationships with drinking. I'll talk to leadership gurus, therapists, addiction specialists, And even HR and marketing professionals who have hot takes on how and why alcohol and work have become so interconnected. And of course, I'll speak to brilliant people with big ideas on cultivating genuine cultures of inclusion and belonging so leaders and employees can enhance their work environment and reduce unnecessary conflict with or without alcohol. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Carly and Ian Blessing. Their story begins a small gaze at the world's most revered restaurant, the French Laundry. They were immersed in a culture and tradition of wine, beer, and cocktails. But as they welcomed parenthood, they also recognized the need to remove alcohol from their lives. However, their passion for delicious drinks just didn't fade. In fact, it led them to a surprising discovery. The market for alcohol-free bitters was surprisingly narrow. Bitters are highly concentrated liquid extracts made from botanicals used to enhance the flavor of cocktails. Nowadays, they're also used in mocktails and other non-alcoholic beverages and even food recipes, adding complexity and depth to taste. Noticing this gap, Carly and Ian decided to start a business called All the Bitter. After countless experiments, test recipes, and tastings, they've created what they firmly believe to be among the world's finest and most beneficial bitters with or without alcohol. Whether you're looking to cut back on alcohol, considering total abstinence, or just searching for a fantastic mocktail, the blessing story and their uniquely enticing non-alcoholic bitters will inspire and awaken your senses. So let's sit back and welcome Carly and Ian Blessing to this week's Corporate Drinker podcast. Hey Carly. Hey Ian. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah. I'm so pleased you're here. Listen, we've got a team here today. Let's start with you, Ian. Why don't you tell us who you are and what you're all about?
1: Yeah, my name's Ian. My wife and I uh, make a a line of alcohol-free cocktail bitters called All the Bitter, which we got into because we both worked in hospitality. Uh, We met working together at the French Laundry uh, as sommeliers, so our our lives kind of revolved around alcoholic beverage, wine, beer, spirits, cocktails. Uh, And after we had kids, we decided to quit drinking um, and kind of quickly fell into the world of non-alcoholic alternatives, ourselves personally, as as consumers, really enjoying the ability to continue to appreciate flavor and the ritual of of the beverages that we love so much without the the downsides of of alcohol, and eventually decided to launch our own brand of alcohol-free bitters to complement the marketplace.
0: Well, I can't wait to learn about that. You know, Carly, when I first met you, we talked a little bit about your experience as a sommelier and working at the French Laundry. And one of the things you made a point of saying to me was that that was an amazing work environment. And I think a lot of people believe that these high stress environments almost force people to drink too much. But you talked about the culture and the community and the amazing people you work with. Can you just briefly tell us what it was like to work at the French Laundry?
2: it was super fun. I really loved it. And I I think about it all the time. Um, There's this really collaborative culture between the chefs and the front of house and everyone's learning and everyone's growing together. Um, You know, nothing is ever repeated. So you're always kind of on your toes. And then with that, the drinking culture, you know, most people are able to handle that just, just fine. And that's just part of the job and that's part of the life. But I, it turns out I was not able to handle that. So I was, I'm an overachiever so I would do you know, more tastings and everyone and um, after hours and, and things like that. But the, the culture overall was fantastic. It was really a, a special place.
0: So it's very rare that I meet two people who worked at the same place, discovered that they um, have issues with alcohol use disorder, right? And both commit to going into recovery and treating that and being honest. So Ian, could you briefly talk about that journey? I mean, I'm not looking for you to expose your soul, but it's just such a unique experience that you and Carly went through. So what was that like?
1: Well, so I think for us, we... Over the course of our relationship, knew that we had issues with alcohol, that we we abused alcohol. But at that time in our lives, and and before we had kids, it it wasn't. We were able to to still maintain a, a, a professional work environment and friendships, and could still live life. You know, essentially to the fullest. We never hit rock bottom. We're, You know, we're we're, we're not one of those stories of like passed out in a gutter we just drank too much and and i think we always knew that but it was easy to kind of look past and just say this is just who i am it's okay it fits in with the culture of working in a restaurant and working long hours and going out for drinks afterwards but after we had kids you know a, a few months into our our son he was i think 4 or 5 months old and we kind of went back to drinking the way that we had before we had him and it was pretty apparent pretty quickly that we, we couldn't continue drinking that way. Kids don't care if you're hungover or still drunk um, or just not feeling well, you know, the next day. Like they're going to wake up three times throughout the night and they're going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and be ready to go. And if you're not feeling your best, then it's it's a challenge. Um, and so at, at some point we really stopped. And, and I think that the moment was, I, I, I Googled, Am I an alcoholic? And, you know, for the first time, like actually took a quiz. And when I, when I scored like 90%, because I'm also an overachiever, um, when I scored really highly, um, and Carly took the same quiz and we both scored really highly, it was, there was no way to avoid it anymore. We was like somebody other than ourselves told us, yeah, you have a problem. (laughs) You know, even if it was just some site on the internet, it was like, yeah, you need to do something about this now.
0: Well, for the first time, internet research, maybe was a little helpful, you know, (laughs) Carly, I'm, I'm struck by this because as a new mom, it's, it's an incredibly vulnerable time, right? And you've got a newborn, you know, you've got, you've got the job, you've got a husband, and you both have this realization that you have issues with alcohol. So who goes where first? Like what's what's the order of addressing this? Because also you're right, your, your kids need care, right? So how did you undertake this responsibility of going and getting some help?
2: Well, yeah, Jack was about five months old, I think. And yeah, we realized we needed help and we realized we couldn't do it ourselves. And we tried to stop four and it just wasn't working. So I ended up going first to an inpatient treatment program for 30 days. And my mom took Jack. And then um, Ian also went to a 30-day treatment program at the same time. So we took that that time and it was kind of, we looked at it like we have this one shot to do this. We have a baby, like we have a, a little life that it's dependent on us. So we have this one shot to figure this thing out and then, you know, move on with our lives. You know, I never thought it would be that like dramatic, we'd have to go to some inpatient treatment program. We, we didn't, like Ian said, we weren't in a gutter passed out somewhere, but it was to the point where we realized we we couldn't do this alone and we needed some help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So again, a lot of people would say, well, you know, of course you worked in the restaurant industry and you were a So of course you were drinkers. Right. But do you think you would have uh, had these issues? Had you been like project managers or accountants?
2: Um, I think I chose to be a sommelier because I like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, so yeah.
0: I don't know. That's hand in number. hand. All
1: right. <laughs> I, I would say it's the same for me. I think it's it's kind of with us, but maybe across, and I don't want to generalize, but I, I think I have a feeling that across the industry, it's kind of a, a chicken and the egg thing. I think that for some people, you find work in restaurants or bars and there's a culture of drinking and any predisposition that there might be to an alcohol use disorder is able to present itself a little more because there's a culture of drinking but again that said there are plenty of people that work in restaurants that do they they go out for drinks after work like everybody else does but they're able to have one or two, and then go home and go to sleep. And I don't understand that. I'm super jealous of that. I wish I could do that, but I can't. I was always an overdrinker. I I don't like the term alcoholic anymore, but alcohol use disorder, whatever it is, I always drank too much. And finding work in restaurants for me came on its own. That was just something that presented itself. And I loved the atmosphere, the camaraderie. I loved the pace. I loved serving people. I loved hospitality and making people happy. And then it was like kind of a bonus that, oh, yeah, people in restaurants like to drink. I'm like, oh, I, I do, too. This is great. We're all going to get along just fine. And then that that certainly didn't help. But also, I would have had the same issues had I been an accountant or, or, or work in restaurants. Working in restaurants made it, you know, I don't know, maybe a little more socially acceptable than if I was just working a, a nine to five. But my, my problem was there first. Um, and restaurants honestly were a way of, of covering it up restaurants were a way for me to kind of justify. And that wasn't intentional, but it, it worked out that way. And I ended up studying wine because A, I loved studying spirits and beer and the culture and history of, of alcohol. And I loved the stories of, of wine regions and, and winemaking techniques. And, uh, you know, I, I I genuinely loved the study of it and the history of it and sharing it, but it was absolutely a benefit that I got to drink in the middle of the day and, and call it Study time.
0: You know, it's interesting that you talk about the stories and uh, the, I think, just the cohesive effect that alcohol can have, right? I mean, throughout entire humankind, we have come together around a table, right? We've had alcohol and spirits of some kind. We've celebrated, we've mourned. We have used alcohol as this tool. And so now you're both in recovery and, you know, you've, you've forged a new path. First of all, you're entrepreneurs, which has a high rate of substance abuse disorders, right? You have started this new company, but you've started a really beautiful company to keep that kind of storytelling and celebration alive. So Carly, can you tell us a little bit about the company that you founded? Um,
2: yeah, well, the bitter, we, we make non-alcoholic cocktail bitters because when we we went alcohol free, we got really into the non-alcoholic spirits that are on the market. Um, and we didn't see a lot of uh a lot of options for alcohol-free cocktail bitters or a couple, but we didn't have exactly what we wanted. So we decided to make our own. And we started just at home, it was the beginning of the pandemic. So we just started in mason jars, just you know, testing different recipes. And this is mostly Ian, but he he did over a hundred recipes. You should have seen the spreadsheets. It was it was pretty
0: wild. But, but <laughs> Wait, this I is thought. this is very corporate, which I find hilarious because I think a lot of people think that the restaurant industry isn't corporate, but I almost call it corporate adjacent. Right? You probably learned some of this at the French Laundry. Everything is inventoried, right? Systematized, templatized, and you bring that to your current business today. Correct? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah,
1: there was a lot of that that we that we picked up. You know, over our time working in and managing restaurants you know and neither one of us is a, a corporate person we don't have much experience at all you know behind a, a computer but having done enough yeah inventory and and recipe tracking um you know we, we picked up bits and pieces from from that and we're able to kind of take that and translate that over to our the recipe development for our cocktail bitters
0: well, so Carly, I interrupted you. You were saying that, you know, Ian had all these spreadsheets, right? And so you're doing all of your R and D what at home in your kitchen? Is that at how that home happened?
2: in our kitchen? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was 2020. So we was like the height of the pandemic. Everybody was at home baking sourdough and Ian was like, we're going to make cocktail bitters. This is what we're going to do. We're making alcohol-free cocktail bitters." And I kind of thought okay, honey, like you, you lost your mind a little bit, but okay, I'll go along with it. Um, and I'm so glad that I did because it's, it's really wonderful to, to be doing what we're doing now. Um, so we started out in just little test batches at home and then finally kind of nailed that down after about a year of test batches. And then we got an, an official space of a commercial kitchen that we now make it in. Um, we went from from those little mason jars to 5 gallon cambros to now 55 gallon stainless steel tanks. So, no, sorry, not 55 gallon.
1: 55 gallon drums. liter. Yeah, and now to 500 liter. Oh my god,
0: tanks. it's not yeah. a math podcast. It's okay. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually curious because when I first met you and I'm just going to ask this again because I know someone out there is just riddled with this question, uh, what the heck is a bitter? So who wants to take that? <laughs> <laughs> so Ian can take that.
1: <laughs> cocktail bitters are, the easiest way to think of them is the spice rack of the bar. It's, it's liquid seasoning, essentially. So bitters are a combination of herbs, roots, spices, barks, fruit, citrus, any number of ingredients, whatever you can think of. Um, bitter ingredients, bitter herbs and roots, uh, but whatever other flavorings you want to include, typically macerated in a high proof alcohol base. See, I think that
0: is shocking to me. Like I had no idea when I understood the concept of bitters, I just thought it was a bunch of stuff like put together and maybe in like cane sugar syrup or something like that, but high proof alcohol, huh? That you could buy on a grocery store shelf.
1: Yeah. And it's one of the, the things that's surprised us when we started is that most people, it turns out, aren't aware that bitters are alcoholic. Bitters are, are often sold as non-alcoholic because you're only using a few dashes in the same way that vanilla extract is, is 35% alcohol, but you don't buy it as alcohol. You use it as an extract of flavor you're, you're baking. Bitters are kind of the same thing. You're only using a few dashes in a drink. So, you know, mixing three or four dashes of Angostura bitters in a 12 ounce glass of sparkling water isn't going to make that drink alcoholic. It's not going to get you drunk. But those bitters are 45% alcohol. So any enterprising alcoholic can tell you that you can get just as drunk off bitters as you can off vanilla extract or hand sanitizer, for that matter pop the top off that bottle of Angostura and you can drink it the same as you would drink whiskey or gin or anything else. But because you're only typically using a couple dashes, it's often sold as non-alcoholic and and you may not need an ID to buy it. You can order it online, Uh, but they are fully alcoholic. And there are, as you can imagine, plenty of people in recovery that are not comfortable with adding even just a few dashes of basically whiskey to your otherwise non-alcoholic drink. Uh, which is why we decided to create these.
0: I'm just really curious how you saw that. And and this is like the beauty of being an entrepreneur, because you go small to get big, right? You find a niche and you just exploit that niche. But why this? I mean, was it just something that appealed to you? Was it creative? Was it because no one else was in that space? Why? Why bitters?
1: Yeah, it's because nobody else was in that space. To be honest, we at the time, there were I had probably 30 brands of non-alcoholic spirits in the country. And, and one brand in particular, Liars, was the inspiration. They make 18 different spirits. You can stock an entire bar with only Liars' as non-alcoholic products. And I thought, you can make any drink. You can recreate nearly any cocktail in the world. And you can dream up and create nearly anything that you can think of with the range of spirits that are on the market. But the one ingredient that was really underrepresented was the cocktail bitters. And and like Carly mentioned, you know, there were a couple brands of bitters out there, but none that was creating the flavors that we were looking for, which were classic reinterpretations of bitters like Angostura, Peychaud's and Regan's orange, which are the bitters that you'll find behind every single bar that most cocktail recipes call for. And so like creating analogs for non-alcoholic whiskey, gin, and tequila, we thought there needs to be an an easy one-to-one replacement for these classic bitters. Um, and we kind of saw that as our opportunity to jump into the non-alcoholic market. We knew that we wanted to do something in the space because working in the alcohol space was was wonderful, you know, not just because <laughs> you know cheekily it allowed us to to kind of drink and hide it, but because it was an amazing community, and it was it was a lot of fun to work in the alcohol space. The people there are fantastic. Again, we you know we talked about the stories, the history. there's so much to love about working in alcohol. We didn't want to lose that. And, and as it turns out, working in non-alcohol is the same experience. The, the people that work in the space, the people that create these products, the customers that are enjoying them are every bit as involved and interested in what it is they're drinking and the stories behind them and how to use them and how to serve them. We, we, lo- we felt like we had lost a community. And then immediately afterwards, we found the same community Just without the intoxicating parts of of booze, which was pretty, pretty cool and and surprising. And so we knew that we wanted to work somewhere in this space. But that realization that non-alcoholic bitters were harder to come by was was the inspiration for, for starting this as our, as our specific business.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you talk about community and Carly, I'm just curious, you know, you're um, running this business as well, and you've got the, you both have the pressures of parenthood. So you lost your community of sommeliers, right? In that whole world, but you gained a community of fellow entrepreneurs, people who have a passion for, you know, great taste, great flavor celebration, but Carly, where do you get community? in recovery? Do you have that? Is that something you have? I mean, as an entrepreneur, how do you even make time for that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a lot of time. The two kids and, you know, I think just staying busy for me is, is the community. I mean, I don't necessarily go to AA or go to those types of recovery, which I, I did in the beginning and I have so much respect for that. And there's so many people that do, and it's, it's incredibly helpful for the world. But um, I mean, I just try to live my life you know, I have friends and I have
0: my mom. And Perfect. And how about you, Ian? Where do you find community? I mean, it's can't all be work, right? It can't all be like focused on the thing you do. Your work is not your worth. You are an amazing human being no matter what, right? So um, are you socializing with other friends? Like what do you do to stay uplifted to make sure that it's not overwhelming you?
1: Honestly, for for me, and I don't want this to to sound like a, a cop out, my recovery has been the non-alcoholic community. And so it. it, it, I guess depending on how you look at it, it's good or bad that my recovery is tied 100% to my work. It wasn't always that way. Before we started The Bitter's Company, we were involved in the non-alcoholic community online, finding Facebook groups and Instagram accounts that were interested in non-alcoholic beverages and were sharing stories and recipes and reviews and asking questions and uh, giving their opinions on things and finding that group online. and, And again, this was about six months after I had quit drinking and after I had decided that AA wasn't for me. It was pretty comforting to realize that there was an entire community of people online that were in the same boat as me that had maybe quit drinking or were cutting back on drinking and they were interested in non-alcoholic beer, wine and spirits. And rather than sitting around and talking about their horror stories from their drinking days and, and drinking black coffee. And again, I if AA works for you, then that's great. AA has helped millions of people and, and is, is an important part of a lot of people's recovery. But it wasn't for me. I didn't like the meetings. I didn't like the work behind the scenes. I didn't like the black coffee. I like non-alcoholic beer. And to find a group of people that were celebrating each other's milestones and encouraging people and congratulating people for not drinking and finding these companies that were like sending a six pack of their beer to congratulate somebody on being a year sober was pretty cool. It was like, hey, we get to just talk about cool flavors and drinks that we like. And we're also lifting each other up at the same time and providing support. These groups aren't recovery groups online. They're groups literally just for discussing non-alcoholic beer. But they, of course, end up serving as some form of recovery community because a lot of people in these groups don't drink or they're trying to, to drink less. And so that was my new form of a meeting. That was my my new form of connecting with community and, and staying involved in my sobriety. I don't call it sobriety. I just don't drink anymore, but whatever you want to call it, that a hundred percent one-to-one replaced the, the, the recovery community for me. And now I'm I spend maybe a little too much time on it because it's both my business and my recovery community. But honestly, that just helps with the business. It helps me stay in touch with what I'm doing between nine to five. And then I I log onto Facebook or Instagram at night because I enjoy talking to these people and, and it ends up impacting the business in a, in a positive way.
0: Well, that's a really beautiful sentiment from both of you talking about recovery in the real world versus these formal programs. And I think that's a sign of elevated progress as well, that you can find beauty and support in your family members, people in your community. So I I like that nuanced take. I'm really surprised by it. I haven't heard anybody else say that. So thank you for sharing that with me. You know, I was also thinking as you were talking, you know, you're involved in this alcohol-free movement, right? Of people celebrating differently. And I know that you're out there sharing your product and donating your product and really trying to get people to understand what it is you do. So can you talk about that? I mean, how much time, how much energy is there in just like educating people on the benefits of alcohol-free bitters?
1: To be honest, we don't have as much time as we would like. Um, we make everything by hand, um, and we do all of the the shipping and everything ourselves, hundred percent from start wait, wait, to Wait, with the tape
0: gun and everything? Like everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. The whole, okay. the whole thing <laughs>
1: um, from from grinding spices and you know weighing and bagging ingredients and and making the batch, which takes about two months to do, and then hand bottling it and shipping it and everything else. We do all of that ourselves. And we were pleasantly surprised to find that when we launched last year, the response was overwhelming. Um, We made and shipped 30,000 bottles of bitters in 2022 in our first year, which is pretty mind blowing. And we're on track to double it this year.
0: Oh my gosh. Just wait, just the two of you, or did you get some staff to help you? We have one part-time uh helper, coworker.
1: <laughs> Wait, do you want to share fun? do you wanna share who?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so my stepdad Ed, um he saw how stressed out we are and he was like, I'll I'll come help you guys out. Um and he's so fun. So he brings a lot of joy to the space, but also he's super helpful. So he'll He'll bottle with us and, you know, come in when we need him, but just, just part-time. Oh, I love he's,
0: that. You never hear a good stepdad story. So I love I mean, that. he's so great.
1: <laughs> he's perfect. He was exactly what we needed. He comes in for, you know, 10, 20 hours, maybe a week and, and really helps get us through we were losing it on our own. It's <laughs> um, also
2: just like full of good jokes, so that that helps.
1: <laughs> so we we have brought on help, but it is still very much a family business. Um, and yes, Jack and Miles, our two and four year old, do like to come in and and try and help as well. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 a lot of work for for two or or three of us, and so we don't do as much education as we would like because we just we're, were we honestly spend most of our time just making it and getting it out there, which is crazy. And it's it's great. Um, We're grateful. We're grateful for that. We're also incredibly grateful to have the support of almost all of the non-alcoholic spirit brands that are on the market because there are very few bidders. Most of these non-alcoholic brands like Liars and Spiritless and Ritual have been wonderful in their support of us and have taken our bidders along with them to do tastings. and we will send cases of our bidders to the sales reps and the educational you know folks for these brands. and they will actually help get our bidders out there. Um, we've done several events ourselves and, and we do spend you know a, a, a fair amount of time on our social media and website doing education and doing you know online classes and, and recipes and workshops with people. Uh, but to be honest, it's something that we we definitely want to spend more time on as we grow and, and hire more employees and are able to take some of the day-to-day stuff off of, off of our plates. And we will absolutely begin to work on more education because it's really important.
0: Well, you know, as we start to wrap up the conversation, when I was first introduced to you, I was really intrigued by this idea that you had a passion for something that maybe didn't fit quite perfectly in your life, right? Wine and alcohol and celebration, but you found a path, I wouldn't even call it towards compromise, towards healthy integration maybe. And that just floored me in a positive way. It inspired me. I thought this is a really creative take on still being near something you love and just kind of reconfiguring your passions. So when you hear me say that, do you have a reaction to that? Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I'm just filled with pride. Yeah. Wonderful.
1: I, I think, I think for me, I feel incredibly lucky and incredibly grateful that this exists. This didn't exist three years ago, four years ago. The non-alcoholic market is is brand new. It was just Odules, and the idea of leaving a career in alcohol behind to go work for Odules probably didn't occur to anybody. And if it did, it was sad. It was like, <laughs> yo, okay, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just yeah, gave up. I mean, we're
0: judging I mean. here. We're judging, but it's all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and and. and I've enjoyed plenty of O'Douls, but the idea of like leaving a robust world behind to go join, I, there, there, there wasn't, this marketplace didn't exist, you know, more than a few years ago. And so the fact that it exists in the first place is incredibly lucky for us. Um, and the fact that the community was so warm and welcoming when we got started is is something that I will be forever grateful for. You know, I'm sure we would have found something else that, you know, would have gotten us through, but I don't know if it would have been anywhere near as as gratifying and fun to do, to be honest, as, as what we are able to do now. We're able to continue to use the skills that we've learned to find an amazing community and to do something that's both fun for us and genuinely helpful to get emails from people that say, you know, we've, we've changed their life or, you know, they, they've, they've been able to quit drinking because of our product is wild. And we make cocktail bitters. Like we're not, you know, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think I tend to like deep, not devalue, but we're not making non-alcoholic wine beer. Like we're not making anything that's necessarily super easy to use. We're making cocktail bitters. It's, it's a, it's a, an unsung hero, of the bar. It's not, it's not the, the headliner, it's not the main attraction. It's a supporting player. And so the the fact that that people reach out to us touched by our product and, and that we're we're making cocktail bitters, but we're genuinely affecting people's lives um is is pretty a pretty incredible feeling.
0: Well, I'm really grateful that you took some time today away from all that production, all that effort on the manufacturing floor and shared your story. It was really beautiful and really inspiring. Um Carly, if people want to find you, where should they go? Like wh- where do they find these great bitters?
2: <laughs> I'm on our website, allthebitter.com. Um and then any of the the main online retailers for non-alcoholic spirits like Boisson or Better Roads or uh Dry Goods Drinks. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll make sure we direct everybody that way. And Ian, Carly, thanks again for being guests today. Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you so much for having us on, Laura.
0: The Corporate Drinker Podcast is a special series brought to you by Punk Rock HR. If you like what you heard, head on over to your favorite streaming platform and leave a five star rating and a review. You can also head on over to PumpRockHR.com for news, information, show notes, and all the good stuff related to Corporate Drinker. This episode was expertly produced and edited by my friends at Emerald City Productions with special help from Danny and Michael. That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time on the Corporate Drinker Podcast.